So we, we made an intentional choice in the service this morning that we wanted to give time to, to hear uh, things that we wouldn't know, things that we hadn't seen, but things that we as a church needed to hear, things that relate not only to how might God use us in India, and that's, I think, important for the future of our church, but, but how might God use us in some of those same kinds of ways here? And we got the chance to hear some of that. We, we, we are convinced here as a church that, that the ministry is not that which is done by a few, but the ministry is that which is done uh, through our body and by the body of Christ uh, as his mouth, his hands, his feet, uh, not only within the church, but in our community. And uh, we were ministered to this morning by, um, by, by, uh, by Raymond and Jim and Abigail. Thank you for sharing. We'll, we'll hear more of that at lunchtime, and I hope you're able to come. Some of what we learned, for instance, is um, that the Lord is not going to Texas. That came out pretty clear. Uh, we also learned that not only does the Lord sometimes close doors, sometimes he burns them down. So if you want to, to know how you can know the Lord's clear leading, talk to Jim after the service. He's experienced that. Oh, because we are in ministry. And, and in fact, the passage just before us today tells us that we are on a short-term ministry. Peter speaks to us. He, 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 he pressed us last week to, to be holy as God is holy. And the world is pressing in on us to conform us to its image. God says, no, 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 be different. Be holy. We emphasized that, that differentness of God last week. And we're going to turn the, that a little bit different direction this morning. As that exhortation goes on, we find there's, a, there's another aspect to it that, that we need to consider as well. But, but he's going to talk about how do we live during the time of our exile here. And the implication is it's a short time. The implication is that, that we conduct ourselves in a certain way for a limited period of time, the time of our exile, the time of our sojourning, the time of our temporary residence. We're not here permanently. We're here temporarily. And it will soon seem to us, in the view of eternity, in the stretch forward of ages and ages, these few years will seem like a short-term visit in comparison. There's things we can learn from the team. There's things that, that the word will press upon us that we can pick up more maybe from, from what they've shared about how do we live out our short-term mission. I want you to, I invite you to open your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 will be in verses 17 to 21 this morning. 1 Peter 1, 17 to 21. If you're using a pew Bible in front of you, I'd like you to have God's word in front of you. I don't want your confidence in me. I want it to be in the word of God. And uh, if you use one of those pew Bibles, you'll find us on page 1014. How to live out short-term mission. The first thing that we're going to see is that we live it out in fear. We live in fear. Now, I'm, I'm going to explain that as we go, but, but look for that. Look at verse 17, and actually it's very clear. If you call on him as father, if God is indeed our father, the father who caused us to be born again through faith in Jesus Christ, if you then call on him as father, and that was something, for instance, that Jesus emphasized in his ministry. 
He taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. He continually referred to God as our Father when the, when the Pharisees, the religion of the day, didn't really dare to do that. They would identify themselves as children of Abraham or children of Moses. They would talk about Abraham, their father. They, they didn't like to talk much about God as their father, that kind of a close relationship. But, but Jesus had no qualms about his relationship with God and that we would have the same relationship in him. If you call on him as father, who judges impartiality, who God judges impartially according to each one's deeds, because God is holy and God is not mocked, God is not unjust, God will not with a wink and a nod push something aside, oh, that's okay, it really doesn't matter. If you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, your sojourn, your temporary residence. Now this fear is not a fear of I'm afraid that if I slip up, if I do something wrong, God's going to hammer me. No, it's more of a fear of reverence. It's a fear out of respect. It's a fear realizing who God is, a reverence that recognizes that God is not mocked, and, and what we sow, that will we also reap. That what we do makes a difference. We talked a couple weeks ago about the ripples that our own lives can make. What we do matters, and angels even are being informed about the grace of God by what they see in the midst of the church. What we do matters, and we, we live in that realization, that reverential fear. Each of us will appear before the Bema seat of Christ. It's a judgment seat of reward. It's like the award stand at the Olympics. Each of us will, will stand there. And so we live anticipating that day. Will we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Will the, the, the things that we have yielded to the Lord and then allowed him to do through us, will they be gold, silver, precious stones, as 1 Corinthians 3 says, or will they be burned away as wood, hay, stubble, as a lot of fluff with no real content? shadow without any substance. Once when I was a kid, I got in trouble. My father had to come and get me. I anticipated his arrival in fear. Not that he was going to wail upon me once he got there. No, actually, he was coming to collect me at the police station, so that wasn't going to happen. And yet still, I had this fear, this trepidation, because I had let him down. I had disappointed him. I had not done what I should have done. I had not been what I should have been. There was, I was now going to be accountable for my actions. There was no way out of that and that accountability, that, that, that sense of accountability to my own father. Maybe somebody else was disappointed. You know, it didn't bother me near as much that other adults around me were also disappointed or thought poorly of what I had done. But with some anticipation of trepidation, some, some fear of my father's coming, because it mattered to me that I had disappointed him. Maybe you can recall 
a time like that, a time when, oh, we hear jokes in the culture, wait till your father gets home. But, but just that awareness that what I've done, the chickens are coming home to roost. Do you, do you have a, a, a remembrance, a recollection like that? You know, Jim was sharing with us that, that without faith it's impossible. I, I want to see God's glory. I want to see God work, and yet I don't have the ability to do it. But I want to participate in faith. I don't want to waste the opportunity that God gives so that we might see his glory. I don't want to waste that. I, 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 I'm going to live intentionally during the short term. I, I'm going to discipline my body. I'm going to, I'm going to be intentional about what I do. It reminds me of, of Hood to Coast training. Hood to Coast was just this week. They had quite a reception down at the coast. Uh, the waves were rising up to welcome all the runners in. Um, I remember f- several years ago, a friend um, invited me to join their Hood to Coast team, and I was quite, uh, um, well, I entered that uh, fearful, how will I do? Can I make it? Can I run these, these six to seven mile segments, three of them without any sleep? Can I even do that? Can I keep up? Will I drag the whole team down? That was my fear. But a fear that, that I would be lazy, that I would drag the rest of the team down caused me to train. It caused me to discipline, to buffet my body. I trained, I ran, I started with, with, with one mile and two miles, and I ran three-mile routes for a while. I ran five-mile routes for a while. I ran up to 12 miles. In fact, after the thing, I ran a, I, I ran a, a half marathon. I liked running so much, uh, but that faded quickly. <laughs> but during that time, I trained, fearing that I would not be able to deliver what the rest of the team needed. I, I disciplined my body. I think, of, I think of Paul's words when he, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, he's talking about this training mindset. I discipline my body. I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That I would be accountable for what I have not yielded myself to the Lord that he would do in me and through me. The greatest loss would not at all be a loss of my salvation. It would be a loss of, of that reward. It would be a loss of that closer and fuller and deeper knowledge of God through eternity that I, that I would have frittered away. We live in fear in that we take today seriously. You know, the India team knew that people would notice them, would watch them, would observe them, that people who believed in Jesus and people who didn't believe in Jesus would be looking at them. They were careful. They lived with that awareness that what we do while we're here matters to the testimony of the gospel here. And we will be careful about what we do and how we live and what we choose and what we don't do because we don't want to give any offense that would get in the way of the testimony of the gospel among these churches and among these dear people. They were careful. In that sense, they were fearful, not deathly afraid, or else they wouldn't have come. But they took that opportunity seriously. Now, we overcome not by being afraid of missteps. We overcome being afraid into a, into a godly fear, a, an awareness of what really is by, by faith in God by faith in God's working. Jim, Jim also alluded to that. 
We live out our short-term mission by living in fear, by taking today seriously. What I do today matters. We, we, we live out that short-term mission by knowing the cost, by I'm going to live like I'm worth it. Knowing the cost. What cost brought me into this race? What cost brought me into this mission? Look at verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed, you were redeemed, you were set free by the pain of a price, the word is. You were loosed. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. You know, even under the Mosaic law, the firstborn was ransomed by the payment of a, gold, of a silver coin. He says, no, 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 not that religious way, not by silver, even by gold, but by the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. You were ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus, whose death was for your sakes. One of the ways we live out short-term mission is to know the cost, to consider the cost, to live like you're worth it because we are in God's eyes. What do I mean? I am forgiven. My own guilt can hold me back, can it? My own sense of I'm not worthy. Who am I that God would use me? I am forgiven. I have been completely washed of all of my guilt by the death of Jesus, my Savior, the Son of God in my place. I am forgiven. Nothing I have done, nothing I could do is greater than Christ's death for me. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. We easily, we easily withdraw from our short-term mission because we feel, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I'm not worthy of it. I'm not. But I'm not in me. I'm in Jesus. I am forgiven. I can live now. I can be used now. I can yield and be used by God, by his power in me, because I've been loosed. I've been set free. That ransom, is a, it's a loosed word, set free by the pain of a price, and free now to be used by God as I was created to be used by him for. I'm no longer held by the power of sin. It may still call after me. It may still entice me. It may still tempt me. And each one of you know what that looks like and feels like but it doesn't have its chain upon you you can say no you can flee that temptation you can run away you can leave it you can say christ has set me free from that i don't have to answer to you anymore when the pharaoh says make bricks the the israelite didn't have to answer anymore why because they had been redeemed out of egypt and from across from across the Red Sea, the call may still come. Cut straw, make bricks. But they didn't have to answer anymore. And that redemption is, is a pattern of our redemption. We, we are used to living in slavery to fear. We are used to when the temptation comes that we yield to it. And yet I simply don't have to. Christ's death paid for that. Christ's death looses me from that. I'm not held by sin's power. I don't have to say yes. I can live now. I can be used by God now. God would use me now. God set me free for his glory. And in fact, God is pleased to use the weak instead of the strong. God is pleased to use the simple to confound the wise. God is, God is, is, 
pleased to use the outcast, the exile, to confound the in-crowd. The very things that you think make you unworthy, unusable, unsuitable, are they, are, God takes that and he says, you know, this mess of clay, this is something I can use. This is something I can do something with. It's not much on its own. I'm not much on my own. But I am something. I know this. Made by God. Redeemed by Christ. I am something God can do something with. How do I live out short-term mission? By fear in God. Today matters. These few days matter. But if that's the case, if that presses heavily heavily upon me, then the only way that I can matter in those days is by faith of what God has done for me, so then what he will do through me. It's not about me. Live like you're worth it. You know, the, the um, preseason has started. I've already been camped out in front of the TV, a little disappointed in my Seahawks so far, but there's a hope there's always next week, right? Russell Wilson just got a big new contract. Is he worth it? That's the question, right? Everybody wants to say, okay, Russell, show us now that you're worth it. But the quarterback doesn't show that he's worth the money on punt returns. Did you catch that? Come on, guys, show me that you're kind of tracking with me here. The quarterback is not the one... The quarterback is not the one to lay down the blocks for Marshawn Lynch, right? The quarterback is not the one to, to be getting the ball on the pun team and trying to make his, his way through a wall of 11 people that are, that are all intent on mowing him down. That's not how you use probably the most expensive player on your team. You and I may not think we're worth much, but in God's eyes, we are chosen by him and precious. And the very life of his son was laid down for you, that he would redeem you as his own. Oh, to him you are precious. Yeah, you are. What what then will I use this few days of life that I have for? How will I use it? Will I throw it away on a punt return? Will I use it for what God has made me and created me to be used for? Ladies, maybe you'll get this one. You didn't like the the NFL one. You don't use cashmere to wash your car, right? You were made for something better. You know, you might use a chamois to wash your car. You might, old goat skin. You might use, I use an old towel. But uh, I've never, ever tried to use one of Julie's nice sweaters to wash my car. That's not what you do. It's not made for that. It's, it's made for something much better than that, right? And so it is with you and I. We are made for something much better than often what distracts us. There are many other things I could do, ways I could use these hours, these days, these years of my short life. I will live out short-term mission, A, living in fear, knowing the cost, and living in light of that cost. Now, the weakness of these images is it's not that we're really worth it, it's that that Jesus is worth it. And we are in him. And because we are in him, we live in fear, we know the cost, we expect to be different, to live towards our future. We don't live in today, we don't be conformed to today, we don't live by the norms and the standards of today. I expect, I intend, I will be different. 
We're called to be different. We're called to be unique as God's own people. We're called to live differently. Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, who through him you are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope, your future are in God. You see that? We have been redeemed from something. We have not only been redeemed to something, we have been redeemed from something. A futile, empty, meaningless, doesn't have any good end in itself, life that was ours, inherited by birth, that was normal, that was fallen humanity, and yet we've been bought out of that. We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, Paul says, and conveyed, carried over into the kingdom of the son of his love. We have been given a whole new standing. We have been redeemed out of something to live in a new way. We should expect to be different because God has made us different. When we were in Swaziland, give you another short-term experience. Well, it was a longer short-term. We were in Swaziland seven years, South Africa for three more. Well, while we were in Swaziland, there were things I didn't do. While we were in Swaziland, I did not build up a nice herd of cattle. Now, every man had one. In Swaziland, there's about a million people and about a million cows. Cows are big in Swaziland. Cows are your social status. A man is not wealthy because he has money in the bank. A man is wealthy because he has a nice herd. Okay? That was Swaziland. And yet I didn't build a nice herd of cattle. I never took additional wives. Many men in Swaziland would take additional wives. They might have two wives, three wives, four wives. Why didn't I do that? I was a man. I was in Swaziland. Well, you can think of a couple of reasons, right? One of them named Julie. Probably wouldn't have put up with that. But I'm not Swazi. I'm there, but I'm not from there. My home is somewhere else. I'm living there as a temporary resident. I, there are many things that we shared together there, but there were certain things that did not fit me. I didn't belong there. They had something called a reed dance once a year where all the young maidens, all the unmarried maidens in the country would come and in very revealing attire, they would dance before the king and often the king would like what he saw and the king would choose himself a new wife, another wife out of all of these maidens who were dancing before the king in the reed dance. Well, we had young daughters. We had maidens in Swaziland. Our daughters never participated in the reed dance. Be glad to know that. Kudo, you'll be glad to hear that. Never, never participated in the reed dance. Were never in the mission. Your family would be fined a cow if your daughter was not able to participate or, or withheld from participating. We were never fined a cow because we were not under the same kind of authority of the king of the land. We had another king, King Jesus, and we were accountable to him. In India, the team didn't register to vote. You didn't buy a car. You didn't rent an apartment. You didn't buy a house. You didn't find a husband, Abigail. You didn't, no, no. Um, not that those are bad things. Those are things that you might do in the, in, the, in, the, in the place of your home. But India was not home. India was three weeks or five weeks. How do we live out the short-term mission, we intentionally choose to live differently, knowing that this world is not our home. We're only passing through. Sometimes it's not a matter of what's right or wrong in the present. It's not a matter of, is this thing I want to do allowable? It's, is this thing profitable? And profitable in what terms? Not 
Will this make me money? Is this going to bring God glory? Is this going to be something that matters into the eternity? Is this going to be something that, that is worth my time and attention now when I'm looking back on it from the perspective of eternity? You know, really, I could boil it down really shortly for you in a, in a phrase perhaps that, that would be easy to remember. How do we live out a short-term mission? And, I, and I'm convinced we are on a short-term mission. That's why I like the way that this, the, the team's return lined up with this particular passage in First Peter because Peter is calling us to live in light of a temporary residence, to live in light of a short-term sojourn. How do we live out our short-term mission? In fear, in fear of a holy God who calls us to be holy as he is holy who calls us to live in light of who our Father is. We live in fear, but we live in fear by faith, not by running scared, but by faith in God who has redeemed us, who has given us worth, who has set us free that we might live for him. We live in fear by faith that God has made me all that he intends me to be. God himself will work through me into eternity, and we live for the future. Did you get that? In fear, by faith, for the future. How will I live today in this short term? Give it back to me. In fear, by faith, for the future. One more time. I was only a couple of you. How will I live in this short term mission? In fear, by faith, for the future. Yeah. And in the midst of that, Toward the future, there's where you will find, as was eloquently, eloquently described to us, there's where we will find joy, even in the today, as we live toward God's glorious future by faith in Him, our loving Father, whom we will see. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you that you are Father, that you have made us your children. Lord, thank you for what you tell us is true about us, that we grab hold of by faith. We believe you. We, we trust your testimony, that there's no charge laid against us that can stand, that it's covered by Jesus, that there's no guilt, even what lingers in my own mind, that, that can separate me from my Father because of Jesus. And you intend and choose to use me, to use us because of Jesus. Oh, Lord, then, in the midst of many things that attract us and many things that distract us, Lord, set our hearts toward your future. Set our hearts toward your purpose, then, that we would live toward that today in this short bit that you give us. Lord, let us use this little life for your glory. We want to see your glory. In Jesus' name.